please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I've visited worship services where the leaders will change up either the greeting time or the passing of the peace and ask people to say to one another, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's maybe a bit of a cliche in contemporary Christianity, but not a bad one. And it captures in a very simple way what Paul is getting at in his stirring conclusion to today's passage in Romans. I am convinced that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. If you have had the good fortune to never feel distant from God, these words may not be particularly striking to you. If you've never imagined that something could separate you from God, the message of this passage may not be particularly important to you. But I suspect that for anyone who has ever had a moment of feeling apart from God, these words are life-giving. Our scripture reading for this morning actually has three distinct sections and contains at least three passages that are very commonly repeated and used by Christians today. This scripture lends itself to more than one worthy message. I will mostly focus on one, but I think it's worth briefly acknowledging the second sections of the passage that I'm not focusing as much on, because they offer some of the most comforting words we find in scripture, as well as some words that are troubling. I don't like to use words that are troubling in the scripture reading on a Sunday morning without addressing them. The context is Paul writing a letter to the early emerging church in Rome. As always, Paul is writing to a particular community struggling with particular issues. His words are tailored to that community and their concerns, though we too may find something that applies to our lives. The passage opens with this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. How often do you feel like you don't quite know how to pray? Often in our committee meetings, there's that moment when the chair asks for a volunteer to pray. If the response in that setting is any indication, then most, many, if not most of us, feel like maybe we don't quite know how to pray, not with confidence. But of course, it's not just about public prayer or about finding words for prayer. I think sometimes we just find ourselves at a loss for how to approach God, or maybe at a loss for how to pause and center ourselves and lean into God's presence. Over and over again, I draw on these words from Scripture when I am in that moment of feeling that loss. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. These words reassure us when we feel at a loss in our own prayer life, when we don't know what to say or even how to pray. 
Paul reassures us that God's Spirit is with us and that even in our size, there are prayers that God understands. The second section of this morning's passage contains one of the more troublesome statements in our Bible. It says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. That version comes from the New Revised Standard Version, which is the translation of the Bible we most often use in worship here. The New International Version translates it differently. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God. The translation difference is interesting. In one version, things work together without God's action. In the other version, God works in all things. God is active. At worst, this passage is used or interpreted to mean that everything will turn out all right if you love God. That is one of those theological messages that can sound comforting, but that has a dark underbelly. It contains the implied flip side, that if things don't turn out all right for you, it must be because you don't love God. But we know that is not true. Every one of us knows someone who deeply and truly loves God for whom something has not turned out all right. We know that deeply faithful people are not spared from suffering. At best, this passage can be used or interpreted to mean that God can work with us and with events, even in the worst of circumstances. That God can bring something good, some growth or some new hope, perhaps, out of difficult events. Much of Paul's letter to the Romans addresses the issue of suffering. It must have been a lived reality in their experience. And Paul talks a lot about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, an event that would have been much more fresh for his audience than it is for us today. God is proclaiming his own faith and the faith of that early Christian community that Christ was resurrected. So this is Paul's proclamation. If God can bring new life out of even a gruesome death, surely God can work to bring some new hope out of our suffering. And just as surely as we know that even the most faithful people are not spared from suffering, we know the stories from our own lives or from people we know that demonstrate that even out of real suffering, some gift can emerge, some growth, some new start or a new hope. This does not diminish the suffering. In the face of a community that knew suffering, Paul wants to offer hope. Paul's rousing words that nothing can separate us from the love of God come at the end of a passage that is structured like a case being made in court. Here we have Paul's closing argument. And even if you yourself have never been concerned about feeling separate from God, the power of Paul's argument is clear. You can tell from its style that it is the climax of a longer discussion. Paul frames his argument with a question. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? He offers a list of possibilities, continuing this question of who or what might separate us from the love of Christ. Will hardship separate us from the love of Christ? Or distress? Will persecution or famine? Will nakedness or peril? 
Will the violence of the sword separate us from the love of Christ? Paul then quotes Psalm 42, quotes a verse that says, For your sake we are being killed all day. He quotes these lines from Hebrew scripture to an audience that would have been familiar with the Hebrew scripture. And Paul's just making the point that his audience does in fact know suffering. Perhaps even as a result of being a minority of Christ's followers in the midst of the wider Jewish and Roman context. So Paul quotes a scripture that would resonate with his audience. He knows that they suffer. And will any of this separate them from the love of Christ? Hardship or distress or any of it? No. Paul answers his own question with bold conviction. No. These things will not separate us from the love of Christ. They cannot. Paul made a list. A list that applied to the lives of, his, of the people he was talking to. What would your list be? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Can fear or failure, can depression or loneliness, can disappointment or doubt, can foolish choices and even sins separate us from the love of Christ? No, by no means. I've had moments in my own life when I have found it difficult to feel God's love, difficult to hold on to my connection with God, difficult to hold a sense of hope. In the moments when that is most difficult, I have discovered how powerful it can be for someone else to hold that for me. Have you ever experienced that? That's part of the gift of community. Some moment when maybe you could not quite access your faith or your hope. When a friend might say, I have faith. I have hope for you. I trust in God's presence with you. And maybe right now you can lean on me. Lean on my faith or my trust. Until that time comes again when you can feel your own faith and hope again. Perhaps the role Paul is playing for the Christian community in Rome is to hold that hope. Perhaps this is the role that passage of scripture plays for us. We raise the question earnestly that perhaps we have grown separate from God. But Paul raises it rhetorically and answers it with a bold proclamation of faith, a faith that might bolster our own. For I am convinced, he says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing, nothing in all creation that can separate you from God's love. Nothing that can carry you out beyond the reach of God's love. Nothing that can diminish God's love for you. Or in the words of that contemporary cliche, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.